Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning. We are so glad that you've joined us this morning. We have a very interesting show for you today about medical marijuana as an alternative to pharmaceuticals and in lieu of pain medications. And there's some very compelling reasons why this is really a topic of conversation these days and why it's important to know the facts and to consider different options than we have before because if we continue to do what we've always done we'll continue to get the outcome we've always had which as you know in the VA there is often a really huge preponderance of we can solve this with a pill a tablet or a capsule and while that's valuable in some cases it's not always the best alternative for the person involved we have with us today gold star mom Janine Lutz who has a wonderful story um, that will make you think twice about this. It's not wonderful in that it has a great outcome, because it does not. But it does give you some food for thought, some reasoning, and will provoke a discussion in your household, we believe. Janine is also the founder of the Let's Live to Tell Foundation, which was based on her experience with her son. And we welcome Janine to our show this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Linda. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, and I think it's important for our listeners to understand why you became so involved with the show of other alternatives to pharmaceuticals, um, augmenting therapies, taking a look at a different way to treat a lot of the conditions that are coming back from contact, and why it's personal to you. If you don't mind sharing that backstory, I think it would be very meaningful to our listeners. Sure, Linda. My son served on the front lines of Iraq and Afghanistan, and when he came home from a second deployment, which was Afghanistan at the end of the summer of 2009, he was diagnosed with severe post-traumatic stress and TBI, which is traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. The VA's protocol is to prescribe dangerous um, combination of, of drugs, psychotropic drugs, drugs that suppress your breathing to help. Uh, they, they gave him one drug to, to help that helped with nightmares that actually suppressed his breathing. Other yes. drugs made him gain weight. Other drugs made him impotent. And just imagine this dangerous cocktail of drugs you know, in our war fighters when they come home, mm-hmm. causing them to hallucinate um, that's also damaging, you know, parts of their bodies. Um, it's just very, it's very wrong um, how they're they're prescribing these dangerous cocktails. Well, let me fast forward to the summer of 2012. Well, my son was medically retired November 2011. When he came home, he was on about 18 different medications. He was basically a zombie. Right. 
early 2012, he said to me, Mom, he said, I, I want to get off these drugs. And I said, great, honey. And again, at that time, I had no knowledge of anything. I didn't know that there was a better way. I, I, I just, you know, I didn't have any tools in my toolbox. So he had gotten off everything, and my son flourished. He was going to school. He, was, uh, he had uh, probably nine hours fly time. He was going to school to be a pilot. And um, we actually, that summer, we traveled to Colorado and visited family. My cousin uh, went whitewater rafting. Then we, we went to Tennessee and saw my nephews and um, went whitewater rafting there. And there was joy in our house again. And, and there was laughter in, that was coming from my son and smiles. He was just doing wonderful. However, at the end of that summer, something triggered his post-traumatic stress and he started to become very depressed. Mm -hmm. On January 1st, 2013, he called me. It was 1030 at night. He was living here at, at home. And he said, Mom, I need you to lock up all the guns and I need you to take my pain meds. And if I need them, you know, and when I need them, you just give me what I need at that time. I said, okay, honey. And I sat with him on his bed and he was crying and he said, Mom, I'm scared. And I said, well, you know, what can I do, honey? He said, nothing, Mom. He goes, I'll be okay. I'm just going to go to sleep. And he did and, you know, woke up the next day. And then on January 4th, unbeknownst to me, he went to the, the VA on, in Sunrise, Florida on Commercial Boulevard. And his medical records read, Mr. Lutz presents teary-eyed, well-groomed. Um, he stated that he had his mom lock up his weapons and she's controlling and doling out his pain meds because he was afraid he was going to have suicidal ideations. And the doctor said, well, how are you now, Mr. Lutz? And as the tears run down my son's face, he said, I'm fine. Now, he just told you all that information. He, of course, he wasn't fine. But this doctor decided to put my son on benzodiazepine. Right. Let me tell you what about, um, according to the VA uh, report published on the VA's own website, you do not treat PTSD with, with benzos because yep. it causes suicide. Mm -hmm. So, and now also let me just back up a little bit. I didn't know this information at the time, but I found out after that my son's first attempt, June of 2010, because I got his medical records, I went back there and I saw that they put him on benzos and a week later he attempted suicide. They found him just as he stopped breathing and was able to save him. That doctor wrote in his chart, do not prescribe Mr. Lutz benzos because it will be detrimental to his health. But they never told my son, leaving him to believe that he wanted to take his life of his own free thinking, not knowing that it was this drug that was messing with his mind. Three months later, he went into Poplar Springs, Virginia. That doctor failed to read his chart, put him on Klonopin again. And in three days, Johnny went to the doctor and said, I, I want to kill myself. I, I want to die. And the doctor, again, knows it's because of the benzos, wrote in his chart, do not give Mr. Lutz Klonopin, but again, failed to relay this information to my son, leaving him to believe, again, that he wanted to take his life by his own free will. So... I'm 
I know how thorough a mom you are. Did you ever find out why he was not informed of this? It's it's as though you don't tell someone they're allergic to penicillin. Exactly. No, I never I never did. Okay. I never found out that. So now, um, you know, back up to January 4th when he was at that doctor and they prescribed Klonopin. And then he goes right next door to the pain management doctor. And this was a new doctor, never saw my son before, didn't take any history, didn't, didn't read his chart, put 90 tablets of morphine in my son's hand and increased the dose by 65%. Uh, Eight days later, my son was dead. That's a toxic cocktail. Yeah. Yep. Very toxic. Um, so um, I eventually, you know, got all my son's records. I sued the U.S. government for wrongful death for my son, John Lutz, and we just settled the case November 2017. Um, of course, we settled it out of course, and of course, they admit no guilt, but the fact that they settled it proves their guilt and they're wrong. And my son died of pharmaceutically induced suicide, and I believe that there are so many out there that have died the same way, like my son. Do you think part of this is the way our medical system is set up these days, where care is very siloed? So he went to the pain doctor for this. He went to a, a general internist, I'm presuming, for the first, you know, the the you mentioned the two physicians, you know, right close together. And so if things are so siloed, it may be in the records, but they don't, we already know that the medical records at VA, DOD, and even in the civilian world are not interoperable. They're not easy to figure out. And so when you silo medical care like this, it becomes even harder. I'm not excusing their behavior because any good doctor will take a look, especially at drug sensitivities, and it appears as though they miss that that kind of vital step there. But does that contribute to this at all? Yes, it does. I mean, exactly. The thing is, is you never prescribe a benzo with an opiate together. They're contraindicated. So that's a huge failure. So... There, there's so many mistakes like this out there. So I tell my military family out there that we have to take responsibility for our own health care. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times, for example, like my son, my son had severe PTSD. He wasn't capable of making decisions. So he needed a health care um, provider, not a, mm-hmm. uh, a health care care manager. Word? Yes, you know, and I, maybe I could have been involved in his health care, mm-hmm. um, you know, to help him. And I would have looked up, you know, can you take this drug with that? You know, our guys trust the VA. They, they're military. They're, they are trained to follow yes. commands and follow orders. So now they go to the VA and it's yes, sir. Yes, doctor. You know, but we have to take responsibility for everything that we put into our body. We have to read the negative side effects. We have to educate ourselves. You know, my background is 15 years in the pharmaceutical industry working on clinical trials and drug development, and one of the things I work with caregivers on, on veteran caregiver, is there are many apps now that you can download where you can compare and put drug groupings together and see what the side effects may be. So we we have tools at our disposal if we only 
look beyond what someone's telling us to do and as you say take responsibility for taking a look at things the other thing we always tell people is watch what happens when you take a new drug keep a journal of what side effects you may be having whether or not it says so in the package insert or not take a look at how it affects you because everyone responds differently to pharmaceuticals some are needed some are going to cause you great harm as you have just shared with us we have to go on a quick break but we will be back after just short messages and talk further about alternatives to prescription drug cocktails if you will too many drugs and how we can take a look at alternatives to treat and make our soldiers better we'll be right back We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. It's words you never heard. What was the first item ever sold on eBay? Believe it or not, it was a broken laser pointer sold in September 1995 for $14.83. The founder of eBay asked the buyer if he knew the laser pointer was broken when he bought it. The owner simply said, I'm a collector of broken laser pointers. Seems pointless to me, but this seemingly worthless item was a bellwether of merchandise to follow. Here are some Jifu Jets or other unnecessary items that have been sold on eBay. Some Goostrum noodles will buy anything, even a cornflake. Yes, a cornflake shaped like the state of Illinois, sold for about $1,350. What was one of the most expensive eBay.com purchases? A $140 million yacht. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We are continuing our conversation with Gold Star Mom Janine Lutz, talking about being responsible for understanding what medications are in use um, for our vets, if you're the caregiver or the veterans themselves, if you're being prescribed things. Because doctors, they call it the practice of medicine for a reason. And I think most importantly, you're looking at medical records that we already know are in disarray, but take a look at what you're taking and keep track of any responses you may have because drug interactions are not uncommon, especially when more than one and often more than 10 are prescribed at any one time. And so we're going to talk now about there are not many non-pharmaceutical options provided at the VA for either TBI or um, PTSD. The interesting part is when you take a look at the standard of care and what is recommended and the and what is supposed to be first line, second line, and third line treatment, it's not always followed consistently. So you can't depend on each doctor and each VA and each vision all doing the same thing. So if you change VAs within a medical system, as you found out, Janine, um, between Poplar Springs and Sunrise, the whole drug formulary can be different. And we know stories of where people have been very stable on a regimen of maybe two drugs. 
and then they go somewhere else and they are suddenly described 26. This happened to someone I knew in North Carolina just mm-hmm. this past January. Mm-hmm. And so what is the answer or what are some solutions that you would offer that VI ought to be considering in terms of options to only prescribing? Well, um, that day when they gave my son Klonopin, they gave it to him because he was having anxiety, mm-hmm. which is a lot of our military, you know, suffers with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Cannabis um, is a great um, tool for anxiety with no bad side effects. There's no negative side effects for the human body um, on cannabis. Um, so even for, let's say sleep, anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. if we could prescribe, um, you know, medical cannabis, whether it's for some, maybe they might smoke it, maybe they might vape it, maybe they might ingest it. There's all different ways to take, um, cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, to, to let's first try these methods that are not harmful to our body and our mind and then go to the toxic, uh, big farmer route, Mm -hmm. you know, that would, that would be my choice. The interesting part is that in, we hear so often that many have in the States where it's legal obtained it, had great results with it. And moved forward, but when it's the VA itself is not allowed to prescribe it. So in every state, medical marijuana is now legal. Every state, all fifty, and yet the VA is not. They've done clinical studies. Remember, my background is in clinical study work, but the studies are flawed, and the studies that they've done have been with very low-grade moldy marijuana yielding not quite the side, the uh, outcomes that they're looking for. So even the clinical trials, which are really pursued by a lot of veterans, whenever we do postings on medical marijuana, people are eager to learn more because it seems a more natural route. Can you talk to that? So, um, you know, in our bodies, we have a, they discovered in the 80s that we have an endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. We have it all throughout our body and our brains and um, cannabis. I don't even want to call it marijuana because that's what the government government called it marijuana Mm -hmm. um, when they, with reefer madness. But uh, so we have this endocannabinoid system that they discovered and in cannabis, there's cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. So, and we have the receptors in our body. How awesome is that? What does that tell you? So our endocannabinoid system, it it helps us um, obtain homeostasis, Mm -hmm. which helps our body heal and operate properly and heal itself. And um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I'm just curious because, you know, I have seen studies on cannabis with elements truly helping TBI, even Alzheimer's. And a lot of those involve CBD, which is another derivative from the hemp plant. And it's it's very interesting because all pharmaceuticals, I think nearly all of them, have their beginnings in the Amazon with plants, with natural naturally occurring 
uh, I mean, think about even peyote uh, for, for pain and for things that was used way, way, way back with Native American peoples. We, we know that herbal treatments, etc., have been positive in the past. This is, is this a case of where the law is not keeping up with the need? Um, definitely not. Well, I mean, Linda, you, you are aware that our government, you know, hoodwinked us when they made cannabis a schedule one, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's, a, that's the biggest lie to the American people. Why can't I grow a cannabis plant in my own backyard? And maybe I want to juice it. I don't want to get high. I personally don't like to get high. I've smoked and I, I can't carry on a conversation. So I would rather not smoke, but I would like to juice my plant because of all the cannabinoids in it and to heal my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I know that a lot of our pharmaceuticals are based on plant, but the thing is, is when they try to synthesize, right. like what they're doing with, um, I can't think of the name of the drugs right now that they give for cancer patients for, that's cannabis derived for their pain and, their, and to increase their hunger. So yes, that drug is doing that when they take that pill, but that's all it's doing. It doesn't have any of the healing properties that come with cannabis. Right. When you take cannabis, let's say if you, if you vape a pen, uh, vape cannabis for anxiety, you're having an attack and you're going to vape that, that vape from that cannabis is going to calm you down. And at the same time, it's healing other parts of your body. There's no negative side effect. Well, you talked about cachexia, which is the loss of appetite, you know, with cancer treatments or wasting disease, you know, a lot of things. And for that, they're using CBD oil, which seems not to upset the apple cart as much because it doesn't contain THC. Right. And yet THC is what we're talking about in terms of the anxiety, depression, and especially the sleep. It is a very rare soldier who comes back without some sleep issues. Exactly. And, and then there's good old, you know, Ambien and other products that are not for long-term use that are being prescribed indefinitely. Yes. Exactly. And also, uh, most sleep medications bring on early onset Alzheimer's and right. other and other brain diseases. And again, uh, cannabis is a is. Uh, oh, our government holds a, a patent on cannabis as a neuroprotectant. They know it protects our brain. Um, Does it really? Yeah, they have a patent and it's for um, antioxidants and neuroprotectant. It says that if you Google U.S. patent on cannabis, yeah. Okay, did not know that, mm-hmm. but a neuroprotectant. That's what I was talking about when I was talking about um, the, the uses for the brain because you talked about these receptors. And so there, our brains are still so poorly understood, and who knows that they ever will be. We're finding out more, but it's such a complicated organ, and yet if there are neuroprotective measures we can take it it boggles the mind that we have something in our toolbox and are really at risk when we use it right right if you're not in a legal state right and if you if you're not able to use it medically um so but the va itself stands alone as not being able to prescribe it 
No, because it's a federal institution and it's still federally illegal. Right. Um, it needs to be descheduled, and and of course I I fight for that. You know, it needs to be descheduled. Everybody should be able to grow their own. You know. And I think that you, if you look at the states where it is legal, there have been there have has been a need for some law changes. So driving while distracted. Um, public use versus uh, in your own yard, that kind of thing. Um, there, uh, there's no there's no easy way to do this because people use, but they also abuse certain drugs. And yet it has been proven that it is not a gateway drug. And that's what's interesting because that's one of the big fights that the government used was that if we start this, well, then they're on the road to heroin. And as we already know, that and opioids are are so prevalent these days, even in our middle schools. It's frightening. Um, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And and um, I blame big pharma um, totally, one hundred percent, for that epidemic that is killing um, you know tens of thousands of people a year. They know. They knew how addictive uh, opiates were, and in fact, in the fifties when they were prescribing opiates, they only prescribed them if somebody was on their deathbed and maybe had a week left to live, mm-hmm. or if they had a very um, you know, very traumatic surgery or accident, they would give in opiates for a maximum of three days. Right. That well, was it. That they're was back difficult. to doing that now, though. Yeah, after they got everybody hooked. And the thing is with right. opiates, it actually rewires your brain. I was just listening to a study last night with uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Mm-hmm. And um, opiates, opiates rewire your brain. Your brain gets addicted to them. People, don't, people just think that, oh, they're just an addict. They have no self-control. No, you don't understand how opiates work. It rewires your brain. Mm-hmm. You are either immediately addicted when you take those or you're not. You well, don't have a choice in the matter. Well, you're right. There are addictive personalities. There are, are not. Um, but you don't know when you're on them. But they are now back to prescribing them just for acute surgical, post-surgical um, three days, um, it's back to being short. But you're right, we've got a problem. And it's not just in our veteran population, it's in the civilian population. Right. And it is often, though less talked about, in our medical physician population. Mm. Oh, because you mean the doctors that the are... The doctors are, are prescribing, yes. Yeah. Well, for the same reasons, you know, anxiety, depression, sleep issues. Yeah. And so it it really is, it, it is... It does not discriminate, and it is is a really universal type problem. And you know, we talk about it as a natural substance, but there are these legal issues that have got to be surmounted. And so we're going to go on a break shortly. And I would love to talk about uh, you know after the break about the benefits and disadvantages of veterans obtaining a medical marijuana card, perhaps outside the VA, obviously outside the VA, and taking a look at what that can mean um, and, and how to keep an eye on things and how to take a look at what this is doing for you and you know your family, if this is helping, if this is ameliorating symptoms, or if it is just something that's not for you because not everything is for everybody. So we'll be right back after these short messages. Stay tuned. We're talking to Gold Star Mom, Janine Lutz. We'll be right back. 
We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. notice you buy more groceries when you use a large shopping cart. The shopping cart, or trolley as it was originally called, was invented in 1937 by Sylvan Goldman, owner of two Oklahoma City grocery stores. Back then, shoppers carried their food in wicker baskets. One day, Goldman was observing his customers and realized that as soon as their baskets were full or too heavy on their arm, people stopped shopping. Goldman thought if we could somehow give customers two baskets, we could do considerably more business. What's another word for a resourceful person? A debrouillard. Goldman put wheels on some folding chairs, attached two baskets to the seat, and let the back of the chair act as a handle so the cart could be pushed with one hand. What do you call anything that can be manipulated with one hand? A thumbadoodle. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Janine, let's talk about the benefits and disadvantages of vets obtaining a medical marijuana card. I work with a lot of caregivers of our severely wounded, ill, and injured. And in some cases, they've been able to successfully obtain this. Um, they happen to be in states that where marijuana is legalized, not just medically, but legalized. And so that is an easier road. But there are pros and cons because... If the VA knows, sometimes that works against you, and it, it really is interesting. So take a look. What do you think? Benefits and disadvantages of attaining a medical marijuana card. Well, the benefits are you can um, you can buy clean, um, unadulterated, no mold, no pesticide, uh, good cannabis uh, from a you know a reputable dispensary. Um, so that's a, that's a good thing. Um, uh, the, the negative is, is that we have to, they have to pay for it themselves. It's not covered by insurance and it can be pricey. Um, I think insurance needs to start paying for that. Um, but when, when it becomes deschedulized and it becomes, you know, not a class one, then maybe they will, the insurance will pay for it. But, but actually what schedule is, um, morphine? Isn't that a schedule one? I'm fairly sure it is yeah, because so it's, it's a highly controlled substance. Right. So the insurance pays for that. You know, the, the, the insurance really needs to, to pay for the cannabis for, for people who, who need it. Um, the other thing is if you have a card when you go to renew your uh, concealed weapons permit, um, you, you ha- the, the, one of the questions is, do you take any controlled substances? You can't lie, so you're not going to be able to renew your concealed carry. Now, that doesn't mean you have to give up your guns because you don't need a concealed carry in your home. I live in Florida, so I don't have to have a concealed carry also to have a, a weapon in my car. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just won't be able to carry it on your body or into restaurants or into the movie theater or whatever it is that you go. But you could have somebody else with you that has a concealed carry and they could carry for you know, they could be yeah. Well, here's what I, I just looked it up as you were talking is schedule one is heroin. LSD, marijuana, peyote, uh, ecstasy, and Schedule 2 is morphine. Oh. 
So at morphine and oxycodone. Wow. Um, so, so oxycontin is schedule two what and a- you know schedule three are combination products so like vicodin and tylenol with codeine and those and clonopin and ketamine um so it's it's very interesting how they have that that's fascinating i did not know that and um it does seem to put marijuana and peyote incidentally, in the same category as heroin and LSD in ecstasy. Isn't that ridiculous? Well, it, it seems unbalanced. Yeah. So that's, that is interesting. And you are, we were talking on the break, medical marijuana is not legal in all 50 states. CBD is. Correct. Um, so you were correct about that, but it's becoming more and more. And I, I have a funny feeling it, it will go on a medical basis much faster, but I just don't see it being completely um, Effective descheduled for- yeah, elsewhere. It's, it's really, it's hard to keep up with what's happening. And- I, I want to mention with the CBDs out there, um, okay. you know, I have, I have some veterans that are, you know, taking the CBD and, and it's working for them. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to, um, this is very important that you, you can't just buy CBD anywhere. You have to know where it's coming from. True. There's a lot of CBD coming in from other countries that have heavy metals in them. Right. So again, you before you put anything in your body, make sure you, where is it manufactured? Who's manufacturing it? What kind of um, processing? Right, processing are you know are they doing what chemicals in that process are they doing? You need to know all these things. So, um, well, again, and it's also good to know that CBD oil can be produced with traces of THC in it or pure, so that you have options if you're trying to use it for traumatic brain injury or Alzheimer's. Um, there are options, and if you Google about them, you will find there are some very strict recommendations because what you're saying is absolutely true. Quality is everything. Unfortunately, we've all read about drug overdoses and it wasn't from the drug they thought they were taking. It was from what was mixed with it, Mm. which is absolutely horrifying Mm -hmm. because you, you do not know. So when you do obtain a medical marijuana card for a veteran, you know, the concealed carry, weapons, etc. that's a consideration. Are there other considerations? Um, no, they're, um, no, it's all good. And, and um, everything else is pretty positive. And with the CBDs, Linda, I just wanted to say, I have a lot of veterans that in the evening, they'll take a CBD that has high content of THC mm-hmm. because really the best for our body is the whole plant, the mm-hmm. entire plant. That means the flower. That means the THC. Mm-hmm. But, but when you get it from a dispensary, they can give you, um, you know, a certain percentage of THC. Mm-hmm. Not every veteran can take a high THC because it can cause, it can actually cause anxiety. It can cause them not to be able to sleep. So that's why it's very important to go to a dispensary and it's kind of, you know, you have to try again, like you said earlier, every body is different and is going to react differently. So don't start out with a high THC, start out with a low and then, you know, you can gradually increase it to see what you are able to take. And so during the day, 
I have veterans that are taking CBD with a very low THC because they want to be able to function mm-hmm. and um, they don't want to be stoned or high, but they're getting all the benefits of that. And then in the evening, you know, when they're at home, mm-hmm. you know, then they'll take a higher concentrate of THC and that will also help them sleep. Well, what you're describing where it works opposite of what you would want it to do if the dosage is off, it's called paradoxing. So when we worked in pharmaceuticals, I'm sure you know this, but every single drug out there is what they call refractory in 30% of patients, meaning it doesn't work. Well, this is no different. You have to go with the dosage at the lowest possible that works for you. So that's excellent advice, whether it's drugs or cannabis or CBD oil, because why overdose your body in any way, shape, or form? And, I mean, everybody knows somebody who, for Benadryl, it puts them to sleep, but for someone else, it wires them up. So we are all familiar with over-the-counter things that can do the same thing. So why wouldn't cannabis or CBD oil do exactly the same thing? And so when someone has obtained a medical marijuana card and you've seen good results, let's be honest, have you seen bad results as well? Um, no, I've seen, I have a couple veterans out there that, um, tried, I, th- I can't recall if they smoked or they did an edible and they, the first time they did it, it was, a, it was really chill. They really relaxed. Then the next time they did it, they did, they took more because mm-hmm. they think more is better. Mm-hmm. And he had total anxiety, couldn't sleep. And now he won't even touch the stuff because it was such a bad <laughs> Um, a bad experience and right um, you know so that's why you you, and again it's not for everybody Mm -mm. you know and I'm not preaching that this is the only answer but it should sure enough be an alternative an option right and I think you're you're voicing what many believe is that again if if this feels more natural to you if it doesn't give you the side effects that prescription drugs do. If you can function better with some low form of, or whatever works for you, and not causes societal problems like driving while distracted, or as you said, stoned or high, or or being a total couch potato, it's important to consider. I, th- I think it is also Uh, important to consider all those side effects you were talking about, about the only one that I've heard vets talk about is that sometimes it will, especially the CBD oil, cause them to be hungrier. In some cases, that's good. In other cases, just like prescription drugs, it can cause obesity. And so, again, it's a personal uh, reaction to taking something foreign and ingesting it. Exactly. And actually, there was a study done that um, people who who take cannabis, however they take it, smoke, vape, ingest edibles, um, that they're, this population or demographic actually is not obese, um, even though, yeah, they might get the munchies, mm-hmm. um, but the, the, the weight gain is not like the, the rest of the population. They're actually um, we're, we're more, we're more healthy. The side effect of cannabis is healing, healing our body. It's just incredible. 
You know, when my son that day, the, the day that he took his life, I, I spent the morning with him. Him and I went out for lunch. We went to uh, the executive airport. They have this little restaurant there with a big window and you can see the planes landing. Mm-hmm. And when we were walking back to the table, I sat facing the, um, the window and my son came over and I was looking up at him and his one eye was twitching. It was moving left and right, just the one eye. And I said, Johnny, what's wrong with your eye? And that was a symptom, a side effect of the Klonopin. And if I had known, you know, about that side effect, because if that happens to you, you immediately need to go to the doctor because something's wrong and you're going to kill yourself, which is exactly what happened to my son later that day. Uh, But, you know, the side effects are just so, you know, we have to pay attention. And then we also have to think if this drug is going to cause suicide, it's going to cause damage to my kidneys, it's going to cause damage to my heart, these pharmaceuticals, why would I take it? Well, every single prescription, I believe, is mandated to come with a flyer that talks about side effects. It's a blow up of what in the pharmaceutical industry we used to call a PI, a package insert. And a lot of people don't like reading it because if they see a symptom that may happen, they're going to imagine it and it will occur. But on the other hand, it is an educational tool that allows you to see what possible side effects are. But I still venture to say it's unusual when you're only prescribed one thing. And when you're prescribed more than one, interactions are important to know because the doctor will not even ask sometimes, are you on anything else? What other drugs are you taking? Or people are on supplements that they don't mention, which could have side effects as well. Right. So you probably have noticed at the doctor's office when you go for an annual physical, it will now say, what supplements, including vitamins, are you taking? Um, and a good doctor will take a look at that annual updated thing and and take a look at least and see if there have been changes but we have to monitor whenever we take something or your caregiver or a family member we have to be aware so as you said if that's a side effect of clonopin then note it and immediately get there my son was once put on a drug that had non-reversible cardiac side effects it was a black box pharmaceutical for a gi very serious gi condition and when that continued and he didn't have another tool in his toolbox he said we'll just put it you back on it and my son said no you will not I have these side effects so we have to know and not everybody has you know 15 years in pharmaceuticals like I do I I think we owe it to ourselves to look at the information that's out there because it is and so our responsibility is to take a look and to really support takes takes more it takes a village when someone is ill we have to go on our final break we'll be back right after these short messages we're military network radio and we'll be right back after these short messages Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. It's Virgin There are more cats in U.S. households than any other pet. Most allurophiles or cat owners know that unlike dogs, taking Kitty for a ride in the car isn't any fun. I mean, you never see a cat hanging its head out the window, enjoying the breeze. 
Today's domestic cat is descended from a small Mid-Eastern wildcat. A group of kittens is called a kindle. And a group of adult cats is a clouder. What's the word for those dust balls composed entirely of cat hair? Fluffernugans. Personally, I like pigs better than either cats or dogs. Dogs are subservient and look up to man. Cats are aloof and look down on man. A pig, however, will look you in the eye and see as equal. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation about medical marijuana. And, you know, Janine, I think it is important to discuss all of these things. And what's right for one person may not be right for the other. There are legal considerations that everybody's got a different opinion on. But if this is something you're considering, I'd love to hear your suggestions on either preparation, um, what method of administration is to be considered for use if you are, and then on policy. What do you think needs to change in terms of policy? So start first with how would you administer this if it is something that is legal and you're choosing to do? So I would tell um, my veterans out there, you know, if you're going to get a card, the best place to start would be with the bud tender at the dispensary. That's what they're called. And, um, you know, you're going to get a prescription from your doctor, but then you're going to talk to the, you know, the bud tender, they call them. I love that term. I've never heard that term. (laughs) Yeah, they have a a lot of experience. And, you know, some people don't want to smoke it because, again, personally, I can't even carry on a conversation if I smoke. I can't remember, you know, like, what, Linda, what are we talking about again? (laughs) So um, there are certain conditions out there where smoking would help you. You know, if you have, for example, there's patients that have ALS, they have a lot of mucus in them. And so smoking it is going to dry all that mucus out. Some other people have um, COPD. My sister just got diagnosed with COPD and emphysema. She is now going to start vaping cannabis. She's also interesting, not edibles, because I would think anything with their lungs. COPD is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. So breathing is difficult. So why not edibles for her? She is. She is going to also she's going to ingest the oil. Oh, okay. Um, she'll just put it on a cookie and she'll ingest that at night. But the vape, um, she has a vape pen that's a thousand milligrams. It's 87% THC. And you can actually smoke this vape and it doesn't get you stoned like smoking a joint. You can still carry a conversation. It doesn't affect you like smoking a, a regular joint does. Why is that? Um, I, I don't know why. I don't know the reason why, um, but it's just it's a little bit different. Okay. You know? I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's the temperature. Um, when you're heating up the, the, um, the pot, maybe it's releasing more, a higher concentrate of the THC. Cause I know heat, you know, releases that, mm-hmm. uh, that could be a reason, but there's reports out there of it healing COPD. So that's what we are believing and we're doing for my sister. Um, there's um, edibles out there. Now, you know, when you eat an edible, the first time I ate an edible, Linda, it took five hours for me to feel it. I took it on a That's Saturday. That's interesting. That was the, right the first time. Now, if I eat an edible, it'll take probably 
oh, an hour and a half before it, um, before I start feeling it. So uh, edibles, I know used in cancer, are often put in chocolates um, or gummies uh-huh. or things like that. Cookies, um, yeah. Yes, cookies, etc. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, if one goes into your bloodstream, the other one is into your digestive tract, which goes into your bloodstream. But is it because of that it's, it's taking longer to get to the bloodstream as opposed to the other more direct methods of ingestion? Right. Smoking, um, smoking or vaping, it's like within uh, three to five seconds you feel it. And, you know, ingesting it's, yeah, because it has to go through your, your mm-hmm. you know, process through your liver and everything. And then there's also, you could do uh, suppositories uh, for care, cancer patients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, a, that's another way of taking it. But, um, you know, there's, it's, it's, there's, again, everybody, body is different. And, um, you know, what is it that we want out of it? Do you, you know, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. Is, are, are you having a problem with anxiety? So then you would want a very low THC. Um, of course, start with the lowest, and then you could start increasing if you, you know, needed to function. Um, now, what know. about THC levels for those vets who are able to work, but have there's rules at work about uh, drug use? Right, that may be different from the state rules on drug use because private industry can do whatever they wish in terms of their rules and regulations. That's right. There's like, uh, for example, I own a drug free workplace. We've always been a drug free workplace, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, uh, Linda, I've had employees that have, you know, maybe there was an accident at work and they tested positive and it's not because they just smoked at, they didn't smoke on the job. Maybe they smoked at night in their Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. I disregarded that. I disregarded it because it doesn't matter to me that if somebody's smoking pot on their own time, people go home and drink and get drunk. And that does more damage to your body than a joint. You know, you can get high in the evening and you can wake up the next day and you're feeling great. You can get drunk and drink too much where you wake up the next morning and you have a headache. You can't function. And you're not pleasant to be sitting next to. That's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. Um, In terms of... Uh, med- medical marijuana policy. Is there movement on that? I know you're quite active in this area. Is there movement in Florida or elsewhere? Yes, we have. There's a lot of movement um, going on. It, you know, again, it needs to be descheduled. Our government lied to us. They know they lied to us. Jeff Sessions is an idiot for him to. to How do you say- really feel? <laughs> I listened to him. I was watching a YouTube video yesterday on him, and he was telling, "Can't you just take an aspirin?" I'm like, "Are you are you for real? Are you for real?" The people, we the people, and our veterans are telling you that cannabis is helping us. It's healing our bodies. It's healing our minds. And you're and and you're not going to allow us to have it. You're going to continue to fight this. That's absolutely ridiculous. Let me ask you this in terms of healing, because you've used that word a lot in, in here. And, you know, I'm very conscious of wellness on all levels. So physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual wellness. When you talk about healing, are you talking about mostly um, mental and emotional healing? Are you talking no. physical healing? Tell physical, me what you're talking about. Physical. I, uh, I'm, I know people who healed themselves from brain tumors only taking cannabis. I personally healed 
my son, John's service dog, Kobe, a Hungarian Vizsla. He came down with lung cancer in 2016. We treated him with two suppositories a day for three months, Linda. Took him back to the vet, healed of lung cancer. We took another x-ray. Wow. All that was there was some, was some scar tissue. And also, by the way, when you heal your body, with using cannabis, like so many people have done out there, the protocol then is you must continue to take cannabis for the rest of your life for once a week because you have to keep your endocannabinoid system activated. Active, right, yep. right. Well, it's it's kind of the same as if you have a, a transplant, you must stay on anti-rejection drugs the rest of your life. This is somewhat similar in that you uh-huh. have to keep all the homeostasis going. That's that's fascinating on that. And is there a study, a lot of study going on? I'm no longer in this field. Is there study going on in cancer patients with THC or CBD oil or both? I'm sure there's, I mean, there's, you know, there's tons of studies that Israel have done. Well, Israel's cutting edge. Yeah, they're way ahead of us. They already, I mean, they, they know, we know that it's healing. Here in America, we have Dr. Sue Sisley and, um, you know, she's been trying to do studies for years, but keeps getting pushed back. Um, but she is authorized to do the studies. Um, so hopefully those are going to be, you know, begin soon. Um, but the thing is, is they, they want these studies, you know, to, to prove it. But the fact is, is that cannabis does not, is non-toxic to humans and, you know, or to my pets, for example. You know, it, it, it's non-toxic, period. And so what, what, why do you have to do all this study to prove that it's not going to hurt me? You know, it's just ludicrous. Well, because we are a very regulated nation. And so we have some of the best medical care possible and the safest prescription drugs. But it doesn't mean we're cutting edge. It doesn't mean we're wide ranging. And it doesn't mean that we push outside the envelope a lot. I, I mean, I, I go to things like chelation and heavy metals and things that they're now discovering that they must address. And yet Israel has been far ahead in these types of things, with, which are not in many cases in many states legal to test, let alone use. Nice. So it's very interesting that we're progressive in many areas in the United States, but less progressive in terms of innovation and alternatives. And, and some of it is the pharmaceutical lobby, and some of it is simply the unknown. People don't know, and we still have a high degree of trust with our physicians and our doctors. You were telling that earlier in the show that, you know, not just the military, but almost everyone, if you're told to do something by a doctor and a friend says, do you, but have you asked this? They'll say, well, I, I'm depending on my doctor. Right. And, and well, my son-in-law is a physician and he'll be the first to tell you, you know, I, I'm a specialist. I know about what I do, but I, I don't know the answer to that. And I can point you to someone who can, but you know, very few are as candid as he is. And most don't like to admit they don't know about something. So if you're talking to vets and they're voicing um, a desire to to find out more, would you have them go to your website, which is Lutz, L-U-T-Z, org, or would you tell them to look at different alternatives? 
I, I mean, I have a lot of information on my website under research um, regarding cannabis. Any good articles or changes that I find, we put up on there, okay. uh, which is a good thing. But, um, you know, do your, do your own research. I would, I, there's a great thing on YouTube called Weed that CNN did, uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, mm-hmm. um, who did what, you know, Jeff Sessions is doing. He's, he was the U.S. attorney who was actually, in the beginning, he was against cannabis 100%. Mm-hmm. And then he apologized to the American people publicly. He said, I'm sorry, I was wrong about cannabis. This was after they did the documentary Weed. Again, it's on YouTube. Interesting. Did and not know. He is now a cannabis proponent. Um, so, you know, educate yourself, go to the dispensary, speak to the bud tenders, um, and, you know, just less is more. Try a little bit. If you eat an edible and you don't feel an effect, do not eat more. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It takes time. Well, but that, those are important things to know because I think that we are such an instant gratification society exactly. that, that we think, well, I don't feel anything, I'm going to take more. And then you could end up with some serious issues. Um, you know, Janine, thank you for sharing both your story, which is just horrifying, although I'm very glad you were able to prevail on your lawsuit with the VA because perhaps those physicians will think twice before administering so many drugs with so many interoperating side effects, but also for talking about something that few are really willing to talk about or have any experience with, which is veteran use of cannabis for the three things you mentioned, anxiety, sleep, and depression. So anything else you'd like to add? We're about to finish our show, and I want to make sure you get in the last word. Um, no, I just, you know, love my military family. And I just found out, Linda, that, um, did you know cannabis is now available to the Canadian active duty military? Interesting. Isn't that awesome? Well, it's progress of a sort. Uh, yeah. So, thank you again, Janine. Thank, thank you, you all for listening today. And we'll be back next week with some more interesting topics and people to have you meet. Take care. Have a great weekend. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance 